once I had was there for the birth and, and had Xander, it was just like, all right, I get it now. I try to explain as like all the rad things that I've done in my whole life. It's like putting all those feelings into to one day, timesing that by a million, and then <laughs> that's what it was like. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids, and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. Hi, babe. Hi, darling. Welcome back. I am so excited to be back because... Well, I'm not excited that this is our last guest episode of the season, but it is our last guest episode, which is exciting. How crazy is that? And how cool. We've got like we'll do a bit of our intro, a bit of an intro for our amazing guest. Yes, in a minute, we will. But I'll give away a little hint right now. It's another dad. Oh, yes. Which is so cool. Hey, we started and finished with the dad, right? We've bookmarked our season with two dads. We had Fev our very first dad in at the very start of the season and now we're finish, finishing our guest episodes with another dad. So we're pretty pumped about that. I know. I just can't believe we are actually here today. We are at the end of the season, nearly, mm. and the time has flown and I've had a ball. Hasn't it? Yes. We hope you guys have loved it. We've so loved exploring all of this again. We're going to do another episode and do a recap like we did last season. But, yes, today is our very last, very special guest episode. So what have we got in common, my love? I am going to tell you what we have in common. Tell me. And it's actually really ties in with our guest today, coincidentally, Mm -hmm. our surfing husbands. So as I've probably mentioned numerous times throughout the podcast before, my husband is surfing obsessed. He's always getting up at 5am and driving down the coast. He, he grew up obviously on the Mornington Peninsula. So he surfed since he was very young, but he absolutely loves it. Doesn't matter how cold it is, he's out there. Mm, and I've got, I've got him to thank for influencing <laughs> Aiden of late too. Now Aiden's utterly obsessed, which is oh. great. Like, God, there's worse things to be obsessed with. I know, and it's well, it's such a nice thing that they can go and surf and have that time together. But now they just are both constantly checking the surf report, texting each other about it, planning their next surfing adventures. And you know what? It means you and I get to go have fun weekends down the coast together too. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, we can use it as a bargaining tool, which we <laughs> did. We had a weekend away a couple of weeks ago and had such a nice time. It was the long weekend and we were so lucky with the weather. And we just spent the days by the pool and in at the beach and the boys went surfing while we paddled around with the girls on the beach and oh, it was just... It was heaven. Beautiful and idyllic and oh, <laughs> so nice. It's an extra special treat after we've been... You, you and know, I now bikinis for- too, acting like it's 40 degrees. Like it was beautiful <laughs> weather but it was actually freezing on the beach and you and I are trying to work on our, you yeah. know, future summer tans, yeah. shivering because we thought we'd be lying back with a couple of pina coladas but we were actually chasing around our kids all over the beach. What was that quote or something that you said to me that you read recently about mums taking books to the beach yeah. or something? 
it was something like nothing is more ambitious than a mother taking a book to the beach. Oh, could not be more true. Like I don't think you and I spoke to each other the whole time. You were over there with Lulu. I was over there with Honey. Oh like we barely God. got to sit down. But that's the fun of it, isn't it? The kids were having, the girls were having an absolute ball squealing. Oh, they darlings. had the best time. Oh, But, yeah, cute. anyway, back to the surfing. Mackie gave um, – Aiden, this beautiful surfboard for his birthday recently, which has totally inspired Aiden to get into it, more so than just being influenced by Mackie. But tell us, tell everyone about Mackie's beautiful surfboards too. So, yes, so my husband Mackie has been working on his new brand, Goes to Sea, with a really close friend of his over the past year or so. And they basically create these beautiful like handcrafted surfboards which are all made from start to finish locally in Victoria and he yes he surprised Aiden with one for his birthday and he was so excited like it was so cute I think he yeah. might, might have even teared up oh I think they both teared up and um <laughs> I just romance. remember seeing seeing you know images of the board being made in you know from start to finish he'd come home and show me pictures and yeah, he was just so stoked to be giving it to Aiden. God, I sound like him now. Stoked. Um, <laughs> so passionate, your hubby. Yeah, he is. He's a very shout out creative man. Goes to see. Whoop, He'll be whoop. pumped about this. <laughs> Check out Goes to See, everybody. <laughs> they are, like, I can vouch for it. They are the most elegant surfboards. They're so beautiful. I'm so happy to have it. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, what a beautiful piece of art just to stand up in our home. Can hang it on the wall. Yeah. Well, if you're not a surfer out there, you can always buy one for a piece of art. Art, yeah. <laughs> Just doing right. a bit of um, shameless self promotion for my husband's brand here, babe. Why not? <laughs> Why well, not? But yes, you're right. The whole coastal activities, surfing, beach, ocean, very much ties into our guest today. So, should we talk about him? <gasps> we should. We were so lucky, right, Soph? Mm, so lucky. I Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was so pleasantly surprised that he wanted to do this with us. And it just, made, it just reminds me though, like, you know, why we do this podcast, because people like when they become parents, especially for the first time, they want to connect with other people. They want to share those experiences. And sometimes I forget how passionate we are as parents and and that's why I love this, you know, because as soon as we say to people like, let's talk about parenthood, people are like, they love it. They want to be involved. So, <laughs> Well, we did, we recently caught up with world-renowned surfer Mick, Mick Fanning. Fanning. Mick is a three-time world champion as well as the winner of many other prolific surfing events. He's an iconic Australian and he is a role model to many people all around the globe. And so I know you feel exactly the same as me. We just had the most fantastic and open chat with Mick. You know, he was so generous in all that he shared with us, including, you know, talking about his career, his experience of becoming a dad for the first time, his personal experience, actually maybe not personal experience, I shouldn't say, because he didn't give birth, but his experience with childbirth, yeah. as well as the challenges he faced during an incredibly tough year in 2015. Yeah, gosh, he was, yeah, he was so open. And like, he's such a chiller, as you can imagine, and as you, as you would have seen. And, but he just has such a life story to tell outside of surfing as well, which is what I loved learning about. And he shared some really honest thoughts and experiences on all of that with us. I don't need to say too much now because, 
You'll hear all about it shortly. He's a very conscious person, I would say, and he's so humble about all that he's achieved in his life. He's done things like being a Starlight Children's Foundation ambassador. He's been awarded an Order of Australia for services to surfing and other various charities. He supported Australian conservationists, Wild Ark, and travelled with them to bring awareness to saving some of the world's most wild and spectacular places. So, you know, we just can't wait for you to listen to this episode. We're so grateful for the time he spent sharing some of the stories with us. And I have to just quickly mention how sweet it was right at the end when we've wrapped up the conversation. He's Little baby boy was oh. making some noises over the baby monitor. Oh, that was so cute. Yeah, it was so cute. Perfect he timing. Was nap perfect time. He's timing. like, he's woken up from his nap, got to go get Xander. We're like, okay, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> it was so sweet and um, just such a such an endearing dad moment. I loved it. Yeah, we loved connecting with him and we think you will too. So here he is. Mick, a big warm welcome to Talking in Common. We are so pleased to have you with us today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yourselves? Yeah, good. pretty good. Excited to be speaking with you today. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Mick, we know you basically grew up on a surfboard from a very young age, but we like to start every conversation with our guests by asking, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, yeah, it was sort of funny. As a, as a young kid, I wanted to be a soccer player. Okay. I loved soccer growing up and, yeah, that was sort of my whole world. And as sort of fate had it, it's a funny story. This is like my, my brother surfed and, you know, they wanted me to surf, but I was just all about soccer. And what actually happened, how I got into surfing was we moved from Ballina to the Gold Coast and I went to go and sign on for soccer. and we went the wrong day and then we went down to uh, Durambar Beach and my brother was actually meeting up with the guys from Quicksilver to get sponsored. I went surfing with him and I ended up getting sponsored by Quicksilver with my brother and I never went back to surfing. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) soccer sort of led me into surfing. (laughs) By default. That's so funny. Yes. Funny how things in life happen. Did you play a lot of other sports? Yeah, cricket, rugby league, yeah, just anything. We'd we'd do anything. Yeah, it was following brothers around. You'd sort of get yourself into whatever they're doing at the time. But sort of when my brothers turned into teenagers, surfing consumed their world and, yeah, I was only a couple of years behind them. Mm, I can relate. I've got five older brothers and I spent my weekends as a child being carted around to soccer matches, footy matches, tennis, like, you know, every sport under the sun to the point where I was like so not into sport at all because I was just utterly sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us a bit more about your childhood and some of the memories that stand out to you that perhaps impacted or influenced who you are today? Yeah, look, I I guess... As kids, we, you know, we're a pretty close family. Growing up, we had a lot of, you know, my my sister's the eldest. She's 12 years older than me. And then I had three other brothers that sort of everyone was three years apart and then I was the youngest. But, yeah, we sort of all sort of were pretty close-knit and, yeah, always looked out for each other. My parents were actually all born except for my sister, she was born in England, but we're all born in, in Penrith and we sort of moved from there 
when I was uh, probably about three or four. We moved to Coffs Harbour and then sort of moved around a little bit before settling on the Gold Coast when I was a teenager. But, uh, yeah, had a lot of fun. Awesome. So, Mick, let's touch on your career as a professional surfer for a minute. From the outside, it appears like your career has provided an extraordinary life and lifestyle for you, you know, getting to travel the world and just living to the absolute extreme, you know, whilst also getting paid to do this. Did it feel like this to you at the time? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Look, when I first got on tour, I was only 19 at the time and, yeah, look, I, I got paid – to pretty much travel around to all the best places on earth and got to surf with my best mates on tour. Two guys that I grew up with at school, Dean Morrison and Joel Parkinson, we surfed together since we were like 12 years old and then all of a sudden we're all on tour together and we're traveling and pretty much every every different spot we went to, there was a party and we were, you know, being <laughs> yeah, 19. Uh, and with your best mates as well. Them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it was, we, we had a great time and um, Sounds yeah, dangerous. it was, yeah. it can be. Some people get sucked <laughs> in the wrong way, but yeah, we, we were lucky. We sort of looked after each other and kept our heads on. So looking back now, what would you say, you know, I'm sure there's many, but one of your top highlights was? There's so many, you know, winning different events, winning world titles were, were amazing. Probably, you know, just, just the friendships that you gained on tour with the guys that you competed against but then also we used to go and stay with families at different spots and and building lifelong friendships with those sort of people so yeah look i i guess the the friendships and the camaraderie that we had on tour are probably the biggest thing that we have and we still have to this day it sounds like you have had you know an amazing life throughout your career but you know, we do learn in life that when there's a lot of light, there also can be a lot of shade. And we do know that you've experienced your fair share of shade in your life. You've suffered from injury, you've lost loved ones. But a particular year that stands out was 2015 when you lost your brother, Peter. You were going through a marriage breakup. And of course, it was the year of the infamous shark encounter. So can you tell us a little bit about this time in your life and just how you navigated it? Yeah, look, that was probably, it was an extremely difficult time. I sort of look at it, there's, for, for lack of better words, it was just a shit year. You know, when you think that things just can't get any worse or, or whatever, something else would just pile up. And for me, I found I had to go to places where I found solace was actually competing because I was really comfortable once I walked into the locker room and, and got ready for an event. And it sort of gave me gave me a pathway to just shut everything else down. And I just had to go and concentrate on surfing and something that brought me so much joy. And then once I went home or went back to the hotel, that was when I had to deal with everything else that was going on. And it was, it was difficult. It was, and I guess for me, I was extremely lucky to have great friends and great support crew around me. Like my inner circle was just always there for me and they helped me through a lot of difficult times. And I got to the end of 2015 and it was just, I was just done. You know, I like the losing my brother was, 
the normally I can get through those sort of situations and and you know see that there's some fun left in life and but with that one it was just like I, I sort of use a analogy that the fun barrel like I sort of look at it as if you've got a, a huge barrel and all the water was all full up most of the time with fun and and I got to the end of that year and it was dead empty there, there wasn't even a drop of water in it and you know I didn't want to get out of bed I didn't want to see anyone I just I just had enough and I guess I made a really big conscious decision in 2016 that the whole year was going to be spent of just trying to refill that fun barrel and, and putting joy back into my into my life and yeah, it was it was tough. It was a really tough road to navigate. But as I said, with with friends and family and and my inner circle, I um, had the tools to to get through the the hard spots and get over those speed bumps. But leaning on those people and and talking through situations that maybe I didn't have the answers for that really helped out and uh, yeah, kept me moving forward. I think I read or heard you talking somewhere about the spirituality of, of the ocean and the peacefulness of the ocean, would that be like a time where you reflected on these sorts of things or was that like a real sort of, you know, time of clarity and peace being out in the ocean? I mean, maybe competition day is a bit different but. Yeah, look, the ocean for me is, is a really healing place. You go surfing, doesn't matter if what sort of mood you go out in, you always seem to come in in a better mood and yeah for me i i got to reflect i got to just be quiet and concentrate on me out in the water and and that was for me that was my healing place you know it, it's sort of hard sometimes to to get away from people in the ocean but yeah i've i found i found myself just as i said trying to fill up that fountain tank there was there was sparks of joy that would just keep getting me through each day and yeah I, I did some trips that year I only did half a year on tour that year and I did some trips that year that yeah they really got me through and got to some places where it was just me in the water and not another soul out and just yeah mother Amazing. nature brought me back. Was that the year that you did the surfing under the northern lights? Yeah. Yeah, we. I had a few trips that year that just sort of just blew my mind. First, we started off in Alaska. Wow! Wow! And you know, we surfed a a, a glacier, like glacier <gasps> falling into the, yeah. the water and creating waves. That was just wild. It was Whoa. stupid, but it was wild. Yeah, um, I was say, that does not sound safe. But wow! <laughs> no. It wasn't. I don't recommend it. But uh, <laughs> you know what? You, you you did it, and you're here talking about it. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Almost had a broken leg, but it was a, that's another story. Um, and then yeah, we got towards the end of the year. That was when we did the Northern Lights, and yeah, that was sort of like the final piece of the puzzle of filling up that fun tank. And just yeah, as I said, Mother Nature was the one that sort of helped me overcome this darkness and and shed light back into the soul. So. Mick, if you are comfortable, I, I would really like to talk to you a little bit more about your experience with grief. As Soph mentioned, you lost your brother Peter in 2015, but you did also lose your brother Sean when you were just 17, which is heartbreaking. I'm currently grieving right now after the recent death of my father. And Sorry whilst I'm... That. Oh, thank you. <laughs> whilst I'm still dealing with, 
you know, the roller coaster of ever changing emotions. I find myself constantly searching for a connection with him and I'm really interested to know how or if, you know, you've found a connection to your brothers since their passings. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, you know, I guess losing losing Sean in in ninety eight when I was only seventeen, I was I was susceptible to you know, listening to other people and taking on board what they were saying. And everyone just kept saying, be strong, be strong. And it was to to be, oh, it just, I, I hate that saying. I think it's the worst thing ever because. I could not agree more. Everyone that said that to me it does not help yeah, at all. No, it doesn't. And, but people are just, I don't know, you, they just don't know sometimes what to say. And that one for me, it sort of, so I started, for me, I started putting up walls and, you know, I wouldn't let people in. And I got to a point where I didn't let myself in. And once I finally learned that I had a wall there, I had to break that down. But the connection side of it, it's funny. I, I can feel every now and then I get these different types of energies come in and I, I can differentiate which one's which like when i'm super hypo and super i don't know mischievous in a way i feel like that's sean on my shoulder or sean just watching over me and and just get me through life and and then with peter even though he was super mischievous (laughs) every time i feel him with me i'm extremely calm and i'm extremely confident in everything that I do and yeah everything seems to flow pretty easily when I when I feel his soul and you know one thing that I sort of learn or talk to about is that they're always with you and they come and go but all the memories and all the all the fun times and all the great things that you ever did they're always yours and they will always live with you forever. Like you can always go back to those memories and no one can ever take them away from you. And, and yeah, I, I find talking about it and I guess really just celebrating life by talking to people about it. Like sometimes you cry and sometimes you don't. But... You've just you've made me cry, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm loving what you're saying. For me, that's that's part of the healing process. Is is because I find if people find it taboo to talk about, then every time you bring it up, it's like you're fighting with yourself. Should I talk about it or should I not? Like every time I talk about my brothers, I'm just yeah talking about the good times and how much fun and and so many memories come back all the time. And yeah, look, there are times where I I get emotional when I cry about it, but. Yeah, most of the time it's just just celebrating them and and just celebrating their memories. Yeah, it's such a beautiful way to look at it, I think. And I loved when you described it, you know, that connection being a feeling of more of like you feel the energy around you because I think initially I was trying to search for like a real obvious sign and and then I'm like I don't think I'm going to find that if I'm looking for that. I think just – knowing that my dad's with me and remembering him, you know, remembering all the beautiful memories and the times we spent together, you know, that's when I tend to, I guess, feel like I'm dealing dealing with the loss a little bit better when I can reflect back. So Yeah, it's everyone everyone there's there's no 
there's no blueprint on how to grieve, I guess. No. And, um, you know, it, it's everyone deals with it in such different ways. And I think you've just got to do you. Like if you feel like crying, you cry. If you feel like laughing, you laugh. And, and if you feel like talking about it, you talk. And if you don't feel like talking about it, you don't talk. Yeah. It's, but you've got to do you. You've got to follow what, what your heart's saying. And, and that's, that's, that's how I've sort of learned how to deal with it. But, yeah, I, on the connection side of things, you know, sometimes I, I won't even won't even be, like, thinking they're around and then all of a sudden I'll just dream about them for for days on end or, yeah, and, and, and then I'll wake up and, as I said, like the, the different feelings I have when one of them's around me, I'll notice that throughout the day. It's funny. It's hard to explain, and pe- people probably think that I'm a weirdo, which I probably am. But, no, no, um, not that's, at all. That's just how I. That's how I just get through it all. No, you're so right. Everyone's experiences are very different, and there's no guidebook. But it's interesting that you've said as well, like you know, through a couple of people that we've been speaking to, you know, through Kate's experience, have all said the same thing, like talking about them and talking about those happy memories you know, makes the person grieving feel good about it, feel feel like they're still around, whereas it's the people on the other side that feel awkward about it and that put this weird, you know, this weird feeling around death. But, yeah, so many people have said that, like, you know, the more you talk about it, the more you remember, remember the happy times, the more comfortable everyone feels. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's, you know, you don't want to be the person that leads it, but... No. Yeah, but sometimes you you have to. Like if you feel like talking about it, it's like just take over the conversation and <laughs> just run with <laughs> any way you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got two young kids and they, they often bring up funny things or they'll they'll talk to my dad or their papa as they call him. And actually I, I, I used to get really upset, you know, in the first couple of months, but now I actually find it really heartwarming that they're sort of finding that connection with him and that they're doing it with a smile and, and in a positive way. So, Yeah, and kids are amazing like that. They they just feel. I know. know. They don't, don't overthink things and, you know, if they're feeling that, then, yeah, he, he I'm sure he made a, an incredible positive impact on their lives. So, Absolutely. He did. So, Mick, I think it was in 2018 that you decided it was time to retire from competitive surfing. How are you feeling about the prospect of heading into a really unknown phase of of your life, given that you'd been a professional athlete your whole life? And did you have a plan? <laughs> to, to be really honest, it was terrifying. It was, and yeah, bef- like I, I was playing with this decision and I guess I sort of did it twice. As I said, I did it in 2016 where I only had half a year off. And that was probably the scariest time because I had to go to my sponsors and ask them. I had to go to the WSL at the time and, and see if I was able to just, you know, do half a year. And, and it was really, really scary. It was a really heavy feeling of like, am I doing the right thing am I not but then as soon as I verbalized it to someone it was just like this huge weight lifted off but yeah I had no plan (laughs) (laughs) I just was like you know what whatever happens will happen and 2018 was probably I was really excited I 
had the support of my sponsors and stuff like that. And I was just, my whole goal at that point was just to go and do fun stuff and uh, go and see parts of the world that I never had seen before. And yeah, I just did my best to, to go and do that. And I, I had a ball. It was, it was so much fun and something I really would love to get back to doing. But uh, yeah. You must have had a real feeling of freedom after for so long kind of being dictated by where you had to be on certain dates, you know, throughout the year. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? Where am I going to go? What can I go and see? My calendar is clear. Yeah. It, it was funny um, when I did that. Like I was like, yeah, for one whole year I'm not going to make any commitments. I'm just going to be like if I'm there, I'm there. And if I'm not, then don't be angry. It's nothing personal. I'm just not. And it's funny how people, people, some people got upset about it. <laughs> and I was just like, whatever. I'm, I'm on my own path for a while. And yeah, to have no commitments was, was awesome. And yeah, it was just really enlightening for me. And yeah, it, I sort of find it hard now to, to make commitments and be on time and, and make dates but luckily Bree's got me and she she puts it all down for me (laughs) so you recently started a new phase in your life becoming a dad to your beautiful baby boy Xander who recently turned one massive congratulations thank you thanks yeah amazing (laughs) we'd love to hear all about your experience of becoming a father for the first time yeah it was wild I guess we found out Brie was pregnant a few months before the pandemic came in and and it was sort of a blessing in disguise actually because I was actually at home the whole pregnancy. So I got to watch her belly grow and and learn with her on the on the way and then, you know, I got to go to all the appointments and and just do it all. And then the actual day was Greatest day of my life for sure. People always tell you, oh, childhood, oh, becoming a father is like the best thing ever. And that's what they sort of leave it there. And I'm like, well, I do the best thing ever every single day. Like, <laughs> yeah. I get to go surfing. <laughs> You're like, and, do you know my life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and, you know, I do really fun things. And, and then once I had, was there for the birth and, and had Xander, it was just like, all right, I get it now. Yeah, I try to explain as like all the rad things that I've done in my whole life. It's like putting all those feelings into to one day, timesing that by a million, and then <laughs> that's what it was like. It was just truly incredible. It was uh, something that I'll cherish forever. And yeah, it's just one of those one of those days that is just burnt into my brain. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe, isn't it? It's the it's and you don't you can't explain it until you've experienced it yourself. Like you don't get it when people say to you like it's great becoming a parent or you know you'll never love like you've loved you know like you love your child and all these comments that you hear beforehand and you're like "Mm, don't get it. But then once you experience it yourself, you're like right, I see what everyone's talking about now. (laughs) But can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with child but with the childbirth because as women and as mums, you know, we talk about this all the time, but the partners and the fathers play a huge role in it as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, your experience with it? 
I guess my experience is probably probably different to to most. Like, obviously, going into it, I was terrified. Not not for the fact that I didn't wasn't confident in myself. I was just like, how do I stop Bree going through so much pain or something like that? And I was extremely lucky because Bree was so confident in the work that she had done, and she was like this this perfect zen woman that she was like in between contraction she was asleep it was wild it was like yeah i'm like this is like so mellow and so cruisy i'm terrified on the inside but i couldn't show (laughs) that and all um, good here (laughs) yeah yeah and um it was funny because like i always prided myself on being able to get into the zone when i was competing or whatever but of course when it was like go time for Brie, she just blew me out of the water. She was like, this is how you get in the zone. And she was just like, oh, she was incredible. And it was really um, a really sort of peaceful, magical sort of day where it was really, really calm. Yeah, it was it was all, all for Brie. Brie did it all. I just sat there and just sort of patted her head and just was like, <laughs> Doing you well. supported her. You supported <laughs> yeah. her along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was incredible though. <laughs> it's such a primal experience, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was like the amount of respect that just like happened in an instant for women, and how strong they are was just just went through the roof. Like like that. Like as a man, there's no way I could go through that. <laughs> <laughs> And my partner said the same thing. He was just like, I was completely mind blown seeing, you know, not only your physical body doing what it was doing, but, you know, just the way that, yeah, you got in the zone and how and how it was just innate in you, like you just knew what to do. But really I was just like, whoa, my body's doing this and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it would be such an incredible experience for, you know, to watch that as well and to see your loved one go through that. It's it's crazy. It's interesting that you compared your experience of like knowing how to get in the zone with your with your sport and with surfing and and then seeing how women just naturally do it with childbirth. We're born to do it. I felt like a novice. Yeah, you are, you are. And and that that was a big thing when we we're going through it. Like Brie was just like, my body is is primed for this. It's like the body would do exactly what it needs to do when it needs to do it. So Yeah. I'm still mind blown that that we've given birth so far. It's crazy. I know. Much respect. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Is there something that you've sort of been surprised by or didn't expect about fatherhood so far? Yeah, look, I guess as surfers we're we're pretty selfish. <laughs> as sports people, we're pretty selfish and we, you know, we do things on our time and, and that's something that you can't do as a father. You just I'm just yeah, for I didn't want to leave the house to go surfing. I just wanted to be around and just hang out and just make sure that I was – I didn't want to miss out on anything. I still don't want to miss out on anything, but Aww. I know these days I have to go surfing. Otherwise, I'll get weirder than what I already am. And, um, <laughs> and it sort of not only keeps me sane, but it keeps Bree sane. <laughs> so. I have to just jump in there and say my husband's like – a very keen surfer. He grew up down the peninsula. He loves it, goes a couple of times a week. And I mean, not not at your level, Mick, I'll have to say, but he's a real keen surfer. And it's quite funny because he was going to go this morning and unfortunately he couldn't go because 
I'm chatting to you on the podcast. So he's had <laughs> okay. to look after the kids, which is quite funny. But um, he very much the same, you know, he would get up he, whenever the surf's good, like he's gone. But since having kids, you know, he was the same, didn't want to miss out on anything. But now everything's very much dictated by if the waves are good. I'm getting out there and I'm going and getting the girls on the surfboard. So there we go. Awesome. Trying to trying to coax them into it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a great place to uh, share family memories. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Mick, what's changed in you since becoming a dad? Yeah, I, I think for me personally, I'm probably a lot calmer, a lot happier each and every day. Like just to see the little man's smile each and every day or just going to the park and just watching him grow is, I don't know, it, it helps eliminate a lot of the, the rubbish that we have in our world because you just concentrate on them. And, you know, I, yeah. I, yeah, if I get to go surfing, then that's a bonus. And then, and yeah, so I, I as I said, I, it's amazing to go surfing, but I get as much joy just learning and, and having fun with Xander, it's, yeah, it's a plus plus. Mm. So there's a lot of stigma and male stereotyping in sport, which I'm sure you've witnessed or experienced over the years. You know, you seem to approach your career with a lot of honesty and I guess even vulnerability. Having a son now, are there certain things, I guess, that you've learnt during your career that you want to instill in Xander? Yeah, look, I've, I probably wouldn't use the word instill. Like I'm gonna, I'll try and teach him through through actions, or you know, and how I carry myself and stuff like that. And hopefully, he picks that up. I'm not going to sit there and dictate to him how he wants to live his life or whatever. I just want to just be a good role model in that in that sense. But yeah, look, I guess the world's forever changing. I'm sure he's going to teach me a lot of things as we go along and. Yeah, at the end of the day, I just want him to just be happy and proud in, in the things that he does. And, you know, he's going to make mistakes along the way, as we all do. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, just be honest enough to look in the mirror and, yeah, realise when a mistake is a mistake and then, yeah, then take action to, to correct those mistakes. What's it feel like for you when you take him out on the surfboard? <laughs> Oh, it's the best. It's uh, to see his face and, and see how excited he gets. <laughs> the best. It's, yeah, does um, he love it? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, that that for me is a surf. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, like teaching someone and and just seeing the joy they get out of it. It's it's just as good as as if you went and had the best surf of your life. So it's uh, it's cool. Do people ask all the time, like, if you want him to be a surfer? <laughs> Or if they oh, yeah. think he's going to be, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's um, he got a surfboard for Christmas, and he just <laughs> absolutely he went nuts over it when he first saw it. So and cute, then, yeah. But now he's sort of been playing a lot with golf clubs. Oh, so okay. who knows? Skateboards, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever he wants to do, I'll support him. So. Uh, yeah. He'll probably yeah. end up being a musician or an yeah. artist or like a lawyer or something, Mick, something completely different. Yeah, well, he probably won't get either of those things from me because I can't play music <laughs> and I'm not that smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, sorry, no, not exactly, but that's yeah, what I mean, Ellen. 
<laughs> I know you, babe. Talk no, I'm not doing As something said, complete opposite. I'm pretty honest, so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we do see some very cute little videos of um, – you taking oh, him out on, Instagram, on your Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. on his board, on your board, on his board. Sorry. Yeah, I haven't put the golf ones up yet, but uh, yeah, the sponsors <laughs> will be coming thick and fast for him. I yeah, think. yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Mick, we like to talk a lot about well-being. We think that it's really important in general in today's world, but in particular as a bit of a parallel to parenting, because you know often it can be hard to find the time to focus on yourself when you become a parent and we both look at it actually just like a bit of a life's work in progress so what does well-being look like to you and and to your family yeah I sort of I sort of look at it this way if you're not in a healthy mind personally Mm -hmm. then you can't go and help someone else so I always feel like you've got to help yourself first and then that way you can go and help other people so, yeah, look, I guess whatever brings you calmness or what helps you get through those tough situations, you know, try and do that each and every day. If that's walking on the beach or going surfing or going for a bike ride or fitness or anything like that, you've, you've got to take time out for yourself because then whoever you're dealing with, they get the best version of you. So, so that's, how, that's, how, that's how I look at it staying healthy and mental health and apart from surfing that you were saying before what else, what other sort of activities do you do to keep yourself sane or healthy do you still play other sports i've sort of just taken up a little bit of golf here and there i don't oh, know so he does great. get it from you then no uh, and not really it probably doesn't help with my mental health because <laughs> you're i'm so bad at it yeah oh, you're no, bad i'm at just it. so bad at it so it's mm, more I struggle of a to believe it's, that's true for some reason yeah, I just laugh at myself, which is always, always fun. Now, just getting outside, I guess, you know, just being in nature, it doesn't matter if I'm super active or just sitting there having a picnic. It's, um, yeah, I just like being outside. Likewise. The best medicine in nature, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, Mick, we could keep you all day. We'd love to keep chatting, but obviously we can't. So before we finish up, what does the near future look like for you and your new little family? Yeah, we're sort of, I don't know, we're, we're, we're just learning each and every day. You know, Brie and I sort of just, not only are we learning about Xander, we're learning about each other in, in different worlds. And, yeah, we're just extremely happy just being wherever we are in the world with each other. We know there's a lot of hard things going on for people in, in the world and we yeah. just consider ourselves lucky that we're we're happy and healthy and all together. That's a good way to look at it. It's a weird, weird world that we're living in at the moment. Are you going to call Australia home anytime soon? Yeah, we're going to try and get home before Christmas. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, as 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 the years go on from now on, we Brie and I made a decision that we'd probably spend anywhere between 70, 30, 60, 40, you know, Australia and, and over here in California. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll keep going down that path, but, yeah, home's always Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to keep you away. It's a beautiful yeah. place it to call is, home, yeah. isn't it? God's country. <laughs> God's country. Yeah. I just have to quickly say, Mick, I'm like such a try-hard surfer. I can barely even stand up on a surfboard. Yeah. But give me some hope. Like can I – you make it look <laughs> so effortless. Can I – 
learn in my 30s? Is it possible? It is, yeah. My mum, she learned, yeah, after, she probably learned like 15 years ago. And okay. she can stand up and, yeah, Amazing. look, I, I think, I think the, like the biggest tip that I can give you is. I'm all ears. Just, just, just take your time with it. Like don't rush. It, people try and rush because of the waves and feel like you've got to get up real fast. And But, yeah, just just try and take your time with it and just relax into it. But just just make sure you're having fun with it. If you're not having fun with it, just maybe put it down for a second, revisit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I've done that plenty of times. But like you were saying earlier, I find a lot of peace and solace in the ocean. It's a beautiful place to be. So just even being out there and giving it a crack gives me almost all that I need anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a different exhaustion to being surfed out to any other sport you you've got that you know the salt on your face and and just the that that exhaustion it's like a a happy exhaustion i still haven't found any other sport that i get that from so yeah that's why i keep doing it did you teach your mum no she went and <laughs> uh, got a lesson so oh, you're yeah. oh that's so funny love that yeah she probably uh-huh. she probably wouldn't she probably wouldn't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't say you didn't have time <laughs> to no. teach your mother. No, I, I I always told her I would, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, she was she was impatient and yeah, just went and got some lessons. Yeah. That's great. That's nice. Well, Mick, thanks firstly for the tips. I will definitely take them on board and you know, thanks so much for giving us your time today. You're very Precious time, potentially taken away from Xander and Bree. So, you know, we really appreciate it. And we've yeah. both so enjoyed having a chat with you and getting to know more about you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you Cheers. so much, Thanks, Mick. Nice. Yeah, and wish you guys all the best. And, yeah, hope uh, hope there's some light at the end of the tunnel for you in the, in the grieving process as well. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, Mick. Really appreciate that. Cheers. Bye. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes, hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common or you can check out our Facebook page which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.